It's the next level. Warning. The following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. are just three weeks away from crisis on infinite earths welcome primers into this issue 196 of the dc primetime podcast from the spotlight as well as the we have to go back lost revisited podcasts here on the next level podcast network i am ben beck and from the caffeine crew cast of pods i am rob martin uh yeah, I want to say too, real quick. We're we're doing a fun episode. I know we'll we'll talk about this again at the end, but uh, we're doing a fun, at least in my opinion, fun and related to this podcast episode of Caffeine Crew Cast the Pods this week. Yeah, we're talking about Batman this week, and yeah, I have yeah. to write that show because <laughs> I haven't done anything. I was like, let's talk about this. Let's do it on Monday, and I'm like, crap. It's, there's not a lot of time to kind of kind of think this one through so it <laughs> well, may I be can, a very short episode of the caffeine crew cast of pods so. <laughs> well i can always try and assist you in some ways as well too yeah since it's, I, 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 it's I something gotta, that's in my wheelhouse a little bit yes i gotta do a call a call for topics but yes uh i've got a couple of fun ones already up my sleeve so i can't wait to see what the like the mfk is gonna be for this one <sighs> okay <laughs> it could be it could be anything yeah yawning within the first minute of the recording we're uh-huh. off to a bang up start. And how? <laughs> uh, but yeah, three weeks from crisis, man. It, it's uh, it's starting to perk up a little bit. And I know Flash is going to dive heavy into it this week with the um, uh, what's the name of the episode? The Last uh, Temptation of Barry Allen, part that's one. It. And then next week is part two. So. Yep. And then crisis is afterwards. But we have four episodes to talk about this week as all four shows were here and we're going to get into it. So as always, what we're going to do is we're going to give our one of three point ranking of the episodes, and then we'll jump back and uh, do our breakdowns of each one. So starting first uh, with Batwoman season one, episode seven. Uh, where do you fall with this one, sir? Sidekick, hero or legend? Actually, it's going to make it really easy. I am in a hero across the board all or all shows this week. Okay. Uh, I would say all of them go to kind of into a, I would say, probably all high heroes, but no, none of them crossing into legend territory. But I, I can comfortably say Batwoman, Supergirl, Arrow, and Flash all all deserved of that spot, but nothing that quite tipped into legend. Okay. Um, I'm a little bit different. I, okay. I'm giving Supergirl and Batwoman uh, both high heroes. Uh, I'm actually giving Flash and Arrow low legends this week. Okay. I I think both episodes were actually a lot of fun. So, um, with that being said, that's that made it easy. That was that was an easy way to go. Actually, you know what? I'll, I'll move Flash into Legend territory. Okay. I think that's. I think. Uh, you know what? Hmm. <laughs> think about it. 
thinking, thinking. <laughs> I'm going to share your agreement uh, All right. on that and your line because you're right. Arrow was actually really, really fun this week. It was. It was a lot of fun. And again, well, Anatoly always makes everything great. So yes, I'm not yes gonna, he does. He's such a fun character. <laughs> he really is. And the fact that it's, that was probably his last appearance, I'm like, you know what? Yeah, let's we'll give it a legend. We'll definitely give it a low legend. Okay. So, all right. I'm with I, you. I was able to sway you without even intentionally trying to sway you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, cool. So with that being out there and our, our, our rankings done, let's dive into the breakdowns. Uh, starting first, as I just mentioned, super, uh, Batwoman season one, episode seven. Tell me the truth. Uh, Kate and Sophia must reconcile with their past as Kate questions just how much she can trust her former love. Kate and Luke have an encounter with an old friend. Mary grapples with the fate of the Kane family as Catherine seeks Jacob's help. And Alice and a new cohort are in on yet another nefarious plan, but her motives are more than they seem. Um, so there's a little bit about this episode that I found a little confusing, but for the most part, the rest of the episode was pretty straightforward and um, was okay. You know, it pushed the story forward at least the story that this show is trying to do, because I, I have a feeling this show is unlike flash and arrow is not pushing crisis at all. Uh, no, that right woman's now. just going to get tossed in when the time comes. Right. Yeah. Uh, so Batwoman's trying to set up its own narrative and it's doing rather well. It's, you know, it's, it's picking up momentum again from at least in my opinion, last week's episode, which it kind of lost a little bit. Of momentum still drove forward, but it lost a little momentum last week. And this week, it's kind of starting to push forward again. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the part that confused me, and I'll just get it out of the way now, is the whole mouse as Catherine uh, element to try or not mouse as Catherine mouse as Jacob. Because mm -hmm. um, it kind of when it was revealed that he was he was wearing the face and, and voice of Jacob. Uh, was that was he Jacob the whole episode with the exception of the very end? Correct. They they mentioned early, like the very beginning of the episode that Jacob was away. Um, actually, Sophie mentions that when she's talking to her husband uh, about everything because there's the questions of you know where where Jacob is and they you know they said oh he's he's still on the road right now and he's he's following a lead. And because that's when so because Sophie's initially trying to talk to him in the very beginning of the episode. Yes, yeah, that I remember. Or actually, yeah. And so that's that was the setup of the fact that he has been gone the whole time. So when Sophie tells Jacob that Kate is Batwoman, that's not actually Jacob. That's Mouse. Correct. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. No. Uh, the the only the only sequence that we see actual Jacob Kane is when it's he's driving in the car uh, at the end of the episode. That is it. So anything else that happened with Jacob involved in the episode whatsoever was Mouse. Gotcha. So. Okay. That make that makes a little more sense. And that's kind of what I was thinking, but there was a part of me that was still a little confused by it. And I don't know if it was I don't I don't know if it was just straightforward and maybe I blanked out during a scene and that's what caused the confusion. I, yeah, it, it it was it, it was pretty clear it was just, but it was only like a, a line or two of dialogue. So if you missed that, you missed the whole setup. Okay. So. I might I might have just for some reason kind of stared off and blanked out as I was watching the episode and just kind of missed that part. And of course that was the one part I needed to watch to, in order to get the whole setup. <laughs> it always works that way. And I missed up. Yeah. Uh, but we got the introduction to two new characters this week. Uh, one of them, I have a feeling we'll see again the other one who, who knows, uh, but we get the introduction of the rifle 
who comes into play, uh, as well as Julia Pennyworth, who is a which she was awesome. Yes, she <laughs> was. She really was. Yeah, she's she's a person I really want to see become a permanent cast member. Uh, she fit fit in there so incredibly incredibly well. Like she she played off of Luke really well because Luke already has familiarity with her, and Kate and her uh, and Julia have a have a definitely a backstory uh, there, just one hundred percent. So it would be great to hear that because that adds like a little bit more of a connection to the the traditional Bat family. We know Julia Pennyworth is a character from the comics. I know there is been a bit of an issue with her in the show. I know a lot of people are not the happiest that they whitewashed her because she is not traditionally a Caucasian. So. It, you know, it's but I, I you kind of understand what they did, especially if she only is in for one episode because they needed somebody to portray uh, Batwoman underneath the cowl. Um, and if it was somebody that was mi- uh, mixed ethnicity for that scene, uh, obviously, Sophie would have been like, that's not right at all. Yeah. So uh, but I do understand the frustrations of people out there that are feeling that way, because, again, it's never great when that stuff happens anywhere in pop culture and entertainment. But um, I understand what they were, why they did what they did, but it still, it still kind of sucks. So yeah. And I we'll just get that. We'll get that out of the way. Yeah. I totally, I totally understand from a story perspective why they did it uh, as you mentioned, but um, you're right. It's never fun when they do that kind of thing. I'm, I was familiar with the character of Julia Pennyworth, but I was not familiar with her uh, ethnicity. And, oh, would uh to uh, like eth- her ethnicity. that's it why couldn't i say that damn word i have no idea it's like trying to say like worship <laughs> yeah. sauce you know it's it's, it's like yeah yeah um yeah i because i i never really followed the comics that closely to know i i just know the character by name um so i wasn't familiar with the whole whitewashing thing until recently um but yeah from a story perspective you're right somebody else needed to wear that cowl and had she been you know, of a different of different um, ethnicity, it, it wouldn't have worked. Um, and I just wanted to have an opportunity to say ethnicity to correct myself uh, and, and prove you. that Ta-da. I and prove that I can do it instead of getting yeah. tongue tied. So um, the rifle is the rifle another character as well, or was this one that was kind of made up because it, it seemed almost like a dead shot light to me i'm sure it's a dc character i guarantee it is dc comics has got just seen about not one i am personally familiar with whatsoever but i guarantee as i'm keying i I, I am as well i was doing the same uh, thing that it is probably a character that is like a i'm i'm seeing rifle why list why list i'm I'm seeing rifle brigade but i'm not actually seeing a dc character named the rifle um, um I, so I don't know. Um it could have been a character created pure uh, just for um just just for this uh this episode. That's very possible. You know, and if it's something new that they created, cool. I, I think it was a it worked great for a villain of the week that tied into a greater thing. Yeah. So, but it, you know, that whole storyline though also gave us this little nod and hint that there is somebody much bigger in Gotham that even uh you know, Alice does not want to cross, and I'm very curious on who that is because the rifle even made a comment when they were doing the exchange in this episode. It's kind of like you don't want to cross her, and you're like, "Huh? Who are they talking about?" So I'm curious to see what that's. Well, be. I think at one point, don't they mention her name? 
And then they do, and it's not a name I'm familiar. Me neither. With yeah, so that's why I was kind of a little, um, because I, I can't even remember what the name was that he mentioned. Um, so yeah, so you're right, and it it throws into perspective again the one thing I've always been curious about going into the season, uh, you know, from the moment the season started and we got more and more of Alice is is Alice truly the big bad of this of this season? And I know it's kind of already been confirmed that she is, but I, I don't know how that's going to play in now with there being another name out there as somebody who might be bigger than Alice. Yeah, that's so. true. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, it's it's the always there's always a bigger fish kind of feeling, you know? Yeah. So. Um, you know, unless this is something that Alice is going to kind of take over like she's going to defeat this person and become badder than she already is and in in the truest sense become the big bad i don't know but it's it's going to be fun to watch the season play out to how it is indeed no i'm right there with you i, I i've been enjoying the show uh my biggest hope though is definitely that we get uh julia back uh relatively soon yeah i, I agree with she that. added added quite a bit also too this episode made me hate sophie so much more so <laughs> Well, okay, explain, because I'm curious why. The uh, fact that she was just ready to run to Jacob and tell her. Oh, she did run to Jacob. She didn't know any different. True. Uh, but, I mean, honestly, though, too, like, you, you had the, like, the, the quick moment. But, like, then we also, like, got the backstory of her kind of, like, you know, like, tucking tail at, at mil- the military school and all this other, you know, stuff, too. And they're trying to play, they tried to play it, too, like, in a pos- like a positive way by the end that she's not this horrible person. And like, yeah, they did that. But like, it, it was one of those things that made me like go like, by the end of the episode, she was just kind of like, all right, um, she's committed to her husband. Cool. Awesome. That's fine. But it's kind of like, everything was done at that point. So it was like, why did we waste so much time addressing this and dealing with this? Um, if this is the end of what that arc is, I, I, I don't know. It was a little confusing because all it did is make me not like her character. And then they gave me this little glimmer of hope at the end of that, that she's not horrible, horrible, but she still isn't a great, great character in the mix of all of this. Like, you know, as far as, you know, like morally, I think, because she seems like the type of person that, yes, she was doing it to protect Kate without, but she was doing it from thinking from only purely her perspective and not what the implications could do to Kate. You know, okay. It, it was. It was. Um, she had. She's already been a character that I have not liked because of the way that she treated her and Kate's backstory and their history together. Um, and that's been consistent up until uh, up to this episode. Then she's like, "Nope, I'm gonna go running to Jacob to deal with the problem instead of addressing it." You know, and it's not like she waited; she just went for it. And then you even saw that kind of play out for Kate a lot throughout this episode, where she's just kind of like, "Nope, screw this." And the only thing we get to see is like, there's this little thing of like, "Here, here's your, here's your rifle marksmanship medal from the school you got kicked out of," you know, the one that I should have left with you, or you know, and it's it's kind of like, "Hey, look, here's a here's a here's a memory, but it's not a good one." That's that's kind of it left me feeling a little confused on what they were trying to accomplish with everything. Okay, fair enough. Um, I mean, like we do see a you know a, like what Kate's capable of from all of this stuff, where the fact that she's like, nope, I'm not letting anybody kind of tell me who I am, 
we saw that, but I don't know what the hell this was trying to do for Sophie. So that's yeah. really what I'm trying to get to. I, I mean, I think there were moments where they were trying to show that even through everything, Sophie's loyalty was still to Kate. You know, like we got that whole scene. Uh, you know, we get the whole revisiting thing of when they're when they're in, um, you know, the camp together. And then, you know, we see that whole moment where Sophie goes and claims Kate's uh, marksmanship medal, which, as you mentioned, she ends up giving her again at the end. And I can see that there that's kind of like a play to say, like, OK, Sophie still has loyalty to Kate. But then you're right. By the end, she kind of gives her the medal. It's a reminder of, you know, yes, a good but also a bad memory. And then she goes and she shows her loyalty to her husband in, in, the, in the same way. So it, it is kind of a, a playing both sides of Sophie, I guess. A little it bit. Did, yeah, it was just. Um, I don't. Yeah, I, I get it, and I don't get it. You know, like I definitely follow and understand what they were doing. Uh, the, I think I was questioning why they were doing it. I think that's really what it boils down to. Okay. Uh, because I think she's the one character I still feel that does not fit this show well. Like she feels like it's. She's gonna be the ally essentially. She's gonna be the probably the Gordon on the crows essentially. Yeah, I could see that. Is the best way to put it. But I don't feel like they need that. I, I really don't feel like they have to shoehorn that in. Um, but it, you know, it'll be interesting to see it continue to evolve. I think everybody else is, is is evolving wonderfully on the show. Jacob's becoming a more interesting character. Alice is a fantastic villain. Mouse is very interesting and twisted in, uh, in all the right fun ways. You know. Luke has been a really great point. Mary's been interesting. Kate's been excellent. Now you have Julia coming in, and I'm like, I'm very intrigued on what they can do with her character because she was a ton of fun in one episode. Um, also, too, we got to bring up the fact that the dinosaur was yes, uh, well, it uh, was more prevalent. The dinosaur showed up last week. That's actually, what I was. Too. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. We saw the dinosaur. I know there was a bunch of people like our buddy Shad was like so excited to see the dinosaur this week, and I'm like, uh we kind of saw the dinosaur last week. Nobody mentioned anything about it at all. This but we also didn't mention it either. So <laughs> <laughs> that's true. And then it, it sucks too, because I remembered when they picked up, when Julia picks up the dinosaur this week and I'm like, Oh yeah, we totally forgot to mention the dinosaur last week. And same. Yeah. I saw that. <laughs> and I was like, cause yeah, cause it was sitting on the, on the computer, yep. just, it, but it looked smaller last, uh, the week prior because nobody was picking it up. And then when they picked it up, I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, but that was a great nod. I, I love the fact that, that they did that, though. That was that was pretty fantastic. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> so um, there's a and in six, six episodes from now, somebody will pick up a penny on the floor. So <laughs> <laughs> um, there there's one particular moment. I really I, I think we've covered most of the, the episode. Um, uh, the, the, the final two things I want to mention, um, we get a funny little moment where uh, Julia uh, Luke and Kate are ready to go into the Batcave and they open the door and Mary kind of sees it and thinks it's a, you know, a, a safe room. Um, mm. Do we think they're going to keep, do we think Mary's eventually going to find out or are they just going to keep having fun with things like that? Oh, definitely. By the end of the first season, Mary, I think is going to know. Okay. Um, I would not be surprised if Jacob and Mary both know by the end of season one. Jacob included. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to mention too is, in looking into this episode a little bit, they actually did a fun little nod to something uh, not DC related. Uh, when Mouse at the end of the episode takes off the the Jacob mask, he does it with the side grab, you know, where he reaches under the neck and he pulls it across. Um, the Mission Impossible. The grab. Mission Impossible yeah. grab. Um, the actor that plays Jacob was actually the villain in Mission Impossible Two. Oh, nice! Yeah, so that was a nice little Mission Impossible they nod to because of uh, his his prior his prior work. 
So I, that's fantastic. I thought that was a little. Uh, I thought that was a lot of fun. Very cool. Uh, but yeah, so Batwoman is on break this week, so it's not going to be for another two weeks until we're going to be talking about the episodes again. Uh, and when we return, December 1st is when the episode will air. Uh, we're going to be talking about um, a mad tea party, which is something that Alice definitely alludes to at the end. So we're going to see what that is. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Kate and Alice continue their sister nemesis dance while Alice and Mouse construct their most evil plan yet. We shall see what that is. And then after that, I think we I uh, think after that is a crisis for Batwoman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kicks off. Yes, yeah. it does. All right. That discussion being done, let's move on to Supergirl season five, episode seven, uh, titled Tremors. Supergirl finally learns the truth about Lena while tangling with Leviathan. John Jones makes a discovery about his brother's whereabouts. So there's definitely a little bit to talk about this week when it comes to it. We finally get a little bit of a reveal as to who exactly Leviathan is uh, and the moments between John and uh malefic i i adored this week yeah i actually that was that was a huge highlight this week you know we we see john struggling with the idea of what to do when he is kind of talking with his father you know it's always great whenever carl lumby kind of shows up again even if it's just for you know a couple scenes but we get this beautiful connection again between the two of them as always uh, you know I, I think david harewood and, and and carl just they just play off of each other just beautifully uh, and now we get to talk about somebody else that just blends into with that just as yeah. equally as beautifully, which it was this amazing scene we get at the end of the episode between Phil Lamar and, and David Harewood, which was fantastic. But, you know, he gets this whole John gets this whole thought where it's kind of like he he finds out that, you know, his brother is still on uh, on Earth. He's still in National City and is being held captive and he has an option. He, you can save him um, or you can, you know take him back to the phantom zone so marin kind of lays it out for him it's kind of like this is your decision you have to do one of them though you can't let him suffer uh further this way but whatever decision you make i stand behind and it was john kind of struggling with that idea but it leads us to this great scene where john teleports into uh lena's secret office which was you know, we have this great, great moment where they, you, you see these two characters really just try to figure out how to move forward. Uh, Malefic is really kind of on the verge of killing John. And it's, it's, but instead of even them going into combat, which I really appreciated, it was just this really great, like, moment from David that when he portrayed, portrays John, of just him, him kneeling in front of his brother. It's kind of like, look. I'm willing to allow you to do whatever you want, but beforehand, please go ahead and see my mind. Yeah. And you just see, and when that moment happens, you see Phil Mars' just demeanor completely flip. Uh, and then we have this great brotherly moment between the two of these characters, and I cannot wait to see these two people together on the front lines because holy crap, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're right. Like, we get that whole moment where, you know, where Malefic says, I will look. Uh, and then. You know, I'll kill you. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Uh, And then so, you know, we see him go into John's brain in which he could have very easily destroyed him from inside as John, you know, made mention to to Marin that that was a possibility and that was a fear of his. And then it's a very quick moment. And then when he finally comes out of it and he just says, I saw everything and they embrace, it's like, wow, like that was just like that was fantastic. 
that was done so well. And you're absolutely right. When these two are together on the front line, as you mentioned, it's going to be fantastic. And I really hope with us getting so close to crisis that Phil Lamar is still a part of this cast when it happens. I hope so. And even if not, I'm excited the fact that they're going to be around um, probably post-crisis, hopefully. Yeah. If everything goes well. But I- yeah, I... I really like what they did with this. So, And I love the fact that they're still finding a way to fit Carl Lumby into this. Uh, you know, even after the even after the character was killed, uh, you know, or the character died, rather. Um, you know, they're still finding more ways to have him portray Marin, even if it's just in John's head. Um, you know, it's it's the, the fact that they're still keeping him in there shows that they appreciate the connection that David and Carl have together just as much as we do. Oh my gosh! Absolutely, I yeah, I thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly just adored uh, all of the scenes that they did together. You know, like just last well, two years ago now, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, and we and when we had David on the podcast, like we that was one of the things we got to talk to him about when it came to that. And yeah, you know, he even said he adored the connection that him and Carol, him and Carl have and in working together. Oh yeah, I mean I, you, that was I think in all of the in our interview with him when we got into that stuff, that was the stuff that you could hear his voice light up talking about working with Carl. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I I'm really really happy that you're right that they're they're finding ways to continue to continue to work with having him in the mix. Yeah, so. exactly. Uh, I want to say I I love the actor. He's a great character actor, but it was great seeing Mitch Pelegi appear in the cast this week uh, as Rama Khan. Um, yeah. You know, cause as we're, we're finding out more and more about Leviathan, we found out that Leviathan isn't just this group of people that are, you know, kind of like this insider group or this group of villains. They are indeed aliens and they are some of the first aliens to ever land on earth. Not just some of the first aliens. Uh, we find out they are the reason why dinosaurs no longer exist yeah. on, on earth. They, they are probably the meteor that struck. Yeah, probably. It's it, there was a lot of little things that were brought up, like Pompeii, the giant floods. Uh, you know, all of these little things. They like kind of have them tied to everything, uh, which was interesting to see. So, but yeah, I like I love that they're like, oh yeah, he's an Earthbender, and then all of a sudden everybody stopped and it's kind of like just waiting for the rim shot, you know, from Avatar. <laughs> yeah. Um, which was I thought it was pretty funny on how they kind of played with that, but yeah, it was very very interesting on and watching uh, watching their their role in things this week with that. Uh, but it's nice to see that Leviathan actually feels like a, a a pretty interesting threat. I'm now I'm looking forward to watching everything converge uh, with where does Obsidian Tech, Lena Luther, and the other member of the Leviathan team that we don't know the name of yet. She was the one. Uh, she was the blonde. That was telling uh, Ramakhan, it's kind of like, let me use my tech. My guess is she's the one that created the Obsidian tech to begin with. So, uh, her name is Gamane. Uh, Gamane. Yeah. Okay. So that's my guess is she's the one that's responsible for the Obsidian tech that uh, we're seeing being used by, um, oh my God, what's her name? Uh, Rojas. Uh, so Yeah, I mean, because we, we get to... She keeps mentioning throughout the episode, you need to use my technology, but she never mentions what that technology is, and we never see it. So I have a feeling you're right. It's probably the Obsidian tech that Andrea Rojas is, has developed. Yeah, so I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure in my guess is we're going to see it, obviously not this, this week because of break, but I think we're going to see it happen next week. 
Uh, very interesting, too. The whole time we were watching that episode, um, I kept looking at her face and I was like, I know her from somewhere. I recognize her. I don't, the, the same way you were with Andre Rojas when we first met her. I was this I was this way with this woman. Um, she is the mom on Stranger Things. Oh, huh. Yeah. Yep. That <laughs> yep. now it's clicking in my brain too. As soon as I, I think of her face, I'm like, yes, that <clears throat> is. That really is. Yes, not Will's mom. Um, I can't remember the the kid from Stranger Things, but yeah, she's uh she's the mother in Stranger Things. It's Mike's mom. Yeah. Mike's mom. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's how I that's where I'm like, I, I know her from somewhere, and then it clicked. I'm like, oh, that, yeah, that's Mike's mom mm-hmm. from Stranger Things. So um <clears throat> let's see. I there was a great Brainiac moment for me this week. I don't know if you picked it up. Uh, what one? Uh, uh, when he says, great Scott. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another Back to the Future reference of uh, that I absolutely love when they pop up. So that was a lot of fun. And I think we might be seeing uh, a little bit more progression with Brainy when it comes to what you predicted mm. in the fact that he is most likely possibly going to split himself. Yeah, because you saw the damage that happened to him this week uh, definitely caused things to go haywire. And he kind of went off the rails a little bit. Not in a villainous kind of way, but in a uh, things ain't right. Things are definitely not right with Brainiac. Yeah, so. his uh, his inhibitor is mm. damaged. Yeah. So he is uh, he's losing some of his inhibitions. And I think you're right. I think he... Um, I, I think the prediction that you made, because we know that his sister, um, uh, Megan Rath, is going to be coming in to play Brainiac as well. So I, I think your prediction is pretty accurate. He's going to find a way to split himself, and she's going to become the intelligent side while he's going to explore the emotional. Yeah, I think that would be – and I would love to see that play too. So that would be fantastic. So, yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, and this is also the second week in a row we haven't seen anything of Nia. Uh, we got mention of Nia this week in that Kelly got a text from Nia when Alex was injured. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no Nia this week, no Will this week, no Andrea this week as well. Um, I really think uh, unless there's anything else, I think the only thing left to really talk about is just the whole Lena aspect yeah. of everything. Uh, yeah, I'll let you dive into that one. Uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, we've known for a while that this was kind of going to come to a head. And I talked a little bit about this last week that I had a feeling that things were really starting to progress a lot faster when it came to everything. You know, uh, Leviathan was out. Lena was going to start pushing forward and everything. And it really came to a head this week in that we get the whole reveal inside the fortress that Lena uh, was um, using Kara pretty much. Um, she used her to... Uh, she needed to find a weapon inside the fortress. She needed to get into the fortress for starters. Um, totally played Kara uh, like a Luther does in order to get access to to the fortress of Solitude. And while she's there, ends up uh, getting what's the name? Is it Myriad? Myriad, yeah, yeah. it's Myriad. The, the the Kevin Sorbo Terry Hatcher plot device of season. Two. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, yeah, it ends up getting uh, Myriad to use to spread her own um, to spread her own technology in that oh, wait. aspect. No, that wasn't. That was oh god, that was season one. Was Myriad? Was it? Was it season one? Uh yeah, I think that was non. Uh non and her yeah, because and- it was. She said it was her own family. Yeah, because it was Astra and Nana are the ones that were behind Myriad, because that was when uh, 
it was just kind of like the little tease of that even Superman got caught in it because we didn't have a Superman yet. That's so right. That's right. Superman came to save the day and we saw the blur and then he just we saw him flying down into the crowd and then <laughs> just walked around with people and we were like, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. When they teased us with that. Uh, so, yeah. So, you know, yeah, she's she has Myriad and not only that, but she has used Kara's uh, the fortress's computer to trap Lena and or to trap Kara in the fortress. Yeah. So Kara is pretty much useless at this point. She is uh, she is trapped, not dying because Lena says, you know, I'm not a villain. You treated me like one. Uh, so I don't plan to kill you. I guess maybe she's just trying to get her out of the way for the time being so that she my can, guess is that the case. Yeah. yeah. So that she can follow through with her plans. Well, we know from some crisis synopsis that were released and we'll refrain from reading them during the news segment because we want to make sure we try to keep stuff as fresh as we can for everyone. But um, one of the big key components is we do know Lena is has some involvement in crisis. So, well, as as does Lex, because, oh, and that's the other thing that we find out this week, too, is that Lena, you know, reveals to Kara that Kara, in fact, did not kill Lex. She did. And she and she did it to protect her. Yeah. Um, so which kind of really brings that whole I- idea of the betrayal around full circle a little bit tighter because I always forget that that was a factor. I so. do too. Yeah, until she kind of reminded us of that. That you know, Lex kind of. And I'm like, oh yeah, and I'm like, yeah, that would sting. That would really suck. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's gonna be. Um, I'm very interested to see where this is gonna play out, especially with Leviathan. You know, because we get that moment. Uh, you know, which was actually a pretty cool moment with the fight scene between her and Raman Khan in the in the fortress and you know her saying like 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 you're i've got home corn advantage you're in my house and you know finding a way to weakening him but it's it's also going to be interesting to see how it plays out that the next fight i'm sure is not going to be in the fortress so how are they going to use that to their own advantage yeah i'm looking forward to it get play out and but again big big uh props though to katie mcgrath and melissa this week because they 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 play off of each other incredibly well too. Between Phil Lamar and David Harewood, and then Katie McGrath and Melissa Benoist, it was just, it was awesome. It was a good episode. Yeah. Like I said, not quite enough to hit like legendary story, but just right about there, just almost there. So, yep, yeah, agree completely. Uh, just like Batwoman, Supergirl is also on break this week, uh, returning December first with uh, episode eight, The Wrath of Raman Khan. I love it when they play with titles. Like that, instead of the Wrath of Khan, it's the Wrath of Ramakhan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Supergirl's struggle against Leviathan reaches a boiling point as she faces off against Ramakhan. Meanwhile, as Lena and Hope work to launch Project Non Nosair, I think that's how it's pronounced, uh, Hope proves to be an invaluable asset to Lena. Who's Hope? Did I miss this? Hope? Hope? Yeah. Hope, uh, Hope is the program uh, that is inside Test Test ah! Yeah. Ah, the program that's inside Eve. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, that makes sense. Yep. All right, time to move on to The Flash. Season 6, Episode 6, License to Enlongate. Uh, Barry turns his attention to prepping Enlongated Man for life after crisis and without The Flash, but Ralph ultimately teaches Barry a lesson. Meanwhile, Cecile faces her own moment of self-discovery while helping a recuperated Chester P. Runk reclaim his identity. Uh, let's just get the Chester P. Runk stuff out of the yes. way. Yes, and also, real quick, I'm just going to start with this, too. Please let him be part of the cast for the rest yes, of the season. I absolutely. love him. I yes. really, really thoroughly enjoy <laughs> enjoy that character because you know what? It, it, let's put it this way. We know a couple factors. 
So we've got Nash Wells, which probably won't be a major contributing person, probably post-crisis is my guess. Yeah. So we're going to be down one Harrison Wells, most likely for the rest of the season. Two, Danielle Panabaker is pregnant. So there might be points in times where she may not be as readily available. Can you That's imagine Chester P. Runk uh, and, and, and Cisco Cisco kicking <laughs> out together at Star Labs and how much fun that would be? Yes. I, I, I would love that. I would absolutely love that. No, so. I agree with you completely. The The stuff with Chester and Cecile was downright to the points hysterical at times uh, watching this episode. And you're right. If we could get Chester to be part and, and they kind of lead us to it at the end, too, where Cecile tells him, like, hey, you are welcome to Star Lab. Like, it's an open door. You know, especially yeah. like seeing him when he wakes up and he's by himself and like seeing him just playing with all the gizmos and gadgets sliding down the ramp of where Barry, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> where Barry runs like it's it was so much fun to watch. And you can tell like he he's a- extremely intelligent. We all, we already know that from when we first met him um, to seeing like the personality that he has. I agree with you completely. He is somebody that's going to be a lot of fun if we get more and more of him in the cast. Yeah, I would love it. Would really, really, really love it. So uh, that and uh, honestly, too, I just love Cecile. I do, too. She's she's just, you know, like uh, Joe, uh, Joe and her are both this precious characters. I love the two of them. And like, but she brings such this like really wonderfully positive, goofy light to situations in a great way, but a lot of heart the same way that Joe Joe just brings heart and like emotion to the forefront. She does so in a really just kind of like upbeat, fun, like fun way of like it's kind of like, you know, like that family member, like the fun aunt or, you know, something along those lines where they're just kind of like they just kind of light up the room. Yeah, it's she's been such a great character. Really, really thoroughly enjoyed her since she's been in the mix, but more so since they've really actually since they've given her uh, the powers. At first, I was really kind of felt very against it. It was kind of like, eh. But once they had her stay as a meta, I'm like, you know what? I really like this and don't want them to take that away from her. I was the same exact way. It was one of those things that, like, we've we've talked about it before, and it's it's been a, a criticism, not a complaint, but a criticism of mine uh, with some shows like it's like where everybody gets a power. Like, you get a power, and you get a power. It's like, okay, you're going a little far. And I felt the same way with Cecile as well when they gave her these metahuman abilities. But since... I don't know what it is about her and her metahuman abilities, but they've done it so well, you know, with her struggling to use them and now using them for a purpose, um, you know, outside of just being a part of the team, uh, you know, so it, I've just loved what they've done with her and she's become a favorite character of mine. Yeah. On the I, show. And I like the fact that they finally addressed even Chester's like, wait, you're, you're, you're an empath meta. And you were the DA. Is there a little bit of a conflict of interest? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, but I like the fact that they addressed that because that's the one thing I'm like, I don't know legally if this is okay. Because <laughs> I think well, a lot I mean, of people have had that thought. But I love the fact that they addressed it even kind of like, yeah, it's probably was the best. <laughs> so, well, but even is it still okay? Because now she's not she's not the DA anymore, prosecuting people. Now she's defending them exactly, and she can and she can still read like the DA's mind. You know, and and get a and, and get an empathy of and get a feeling of what they're feeling like right now. You know, like if if she's in a case defending a meta, and the DA has a feeling that you know he's losing this case, she's going to know about it. Yeah, yeah, that's you true. Know? 
it's still like not exactly fair play level no, playing field. No, no, not at all. But I still <laughs> love the concept. Yeah, it's, it, it's just kind of wonderful. It's still such a great idea of like a mind reader that's a defense attorney, which is like that's such a great concept. It's I fun to it. play with. Yeah, it really, it, really is. But it, it's working incredibly well. But like I said, yeah, I mean, it was it was a great little side story of about Chester and her both finding themselves. Yeah. Uh, but it was it was a great it, it was a great like you know B path through this episode like. But the the A line story for this one was just <laughs> well, well, not only that, but I mean, before we before we jump into the A A story, because there is another B story I want to kind of oh, mention yeah. real quick. Um, I love that they included uh, Frost into this. Um, I thought it was a great thing when Chester woke up and saw Frost and called her Frost, not Killer Frost. No, called um, Killer Frost. Uh, did he? I thought he just called her Frost. Killer Frost. Oh, yeah. Okay. But yeah. I love that she was like crap on the day that I had to watch. Like that was, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then seeing her holding the book of Ralph at the end when Cecile's trying to help him ask out Natalie. I thought it was just a great way to include her into that. That um, was great. Let's let's do the other B story first real quick. Um, uh, because this is really actually out of everything this week, this was really the only thing that that is tied into crisis at all. Right. Is we get a little bit more of Nash progressing to try and get through that wall uh, to find out what's behind it. Um, he believes it's it's an interdimensional portal that would lead everybody to the monitor. Uh, and we see him use Allegra uh, to find out where this um, Eternium is is kind of embedded in this rock. Because yeah, basically, we if, if they try to strike it, uh, things can go boom. Yes, so exactly. Um, but one of my favorite moments of this entire of this entire B story uh, was was when Nash is talking to Allegra, and he's talking about the whole dual identity, and he just casually happens to mention that Barry Allen is the Flash, and uh-huh. <laughs> and Allegra's like, "Wait, my boss's husband is the Flash," and he has no regrets about revealing it whatsoever. He literally just points to his puts his finger on his nose, like. Yep, that's it. No mm-hmm. regret whatsoever about revealing this. <clears throat> and I, that just oh, made yeah. me laugh. It was so much fun. <clears throat> uh, yeah, Nash is, uh, again, it just makes me think of, um, you know, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Wild card. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and I think you're right. The more and more we watch this, <clears throat> excuse me, I have a feeling your prediction is correct. I think, you know, we're seeing Nash. Nash is really only here because he's an inner, he's a multi-world, um, multi-earth traveler. He's seen the other stuff that the monitor has done before, so he's our really a tie-in to Crisis right now. And we do know that Kavanaugh is going to play Pariah at some point. I wouldn't be surprised if this is his actual path. Like, I don't think he's just trying to find uh, the monitor. I think he's trying to assist the monitor. And I think that's what's going to cause him to become pariah. Yeah, very, very humanly possible. I, I'm curious to see how that will play. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I, it's it, it can only be one of two things that that portal is actually just like an arrow where they're like, oh, it's the monitor and it's actually the anti monitor. That's maybe what unleashes the anti monitor. Who knows? It could be anything. Um, I, I'm very, very, very curious to see it play. Uh, that's really what it boils down to is is but yeah we got that little bit of progression we're going to see a hell of a lot more of it between this week and next yeah yeah and i'm looking forward to to what it's what we're going to get revealed though 
Uh, so that leads us to the A story, which, as you mentioned, was just magnificent. It was so much fun. Um, again, it's more focus on Ralph, which I love. The m- I- I've loved Ralph since we were introduced to him. And the more we get out of him, the more I love it. Um, and I think out of everybody, he he was a great choice as somebody to kind of pass the torch on to to kind of be a savior of the city. And we'll get to that final moment at the end because oh, good that God, was one of my, one of my favorite <sighs> epi- scenes of, of the flash probably ever. Yeah. Um, I mean, that moment made me smile so big and I think almost brought tears to my eyes um, yeah. when we got it. So we'll, we'll kind of save that for the end. Um, but just everything, seeing Barry suit up and join Ralph on an investigation, led to so many moments when <laughs> when he's trying to you know ralph's doing the whole james bond thing you know like dibney ralph dibney and, it and was, pulling it, was, it and <laughs> pulling it off wonderfully like yes doing a great job of pulling it off and barry just fumbling through it horrendously <laughs> and it, it was great because it was like it was a beautiful dichotomy it was like watching it was like watching ralph try to be a hero like the way that flash was of bumbling his way through it and it was we got to see the flip of this here, and it worked in a really great way. It mirrored what we have seen of Ralph in Barry's world, and then we see Barry kind of flounder in Ralph's world, and it worked worked really really great. But there were so many Bond references in this episode. <laughs> I am I, I it's kind of like if you pause the screen, you'd count like sixty to seventy at any point in time. Well, so. not only that, but they have so much fun with it because even at one point, when oh, he's yeah. like, "Do you expect me to talk?" and he's like, "No." I expect you to die. I was like, come on, man. That's like, that's clearly out of bond. <laughs> it's like, it was so much because that in that moment when, when Ralph says, do you expect me to talk in the back of my head? I'm thinking, no, I expect you to die. And then he goes ahead and says it. And Ralph, and I'm like, <laughs> I was like, they went there. They actually went yep. there. <laughs> and Ralph's just response. Like, come on, that's clearly from bond. Uh, like, it was so great. It was so much fun. Everything and it down to the it. cheesy 1950s looking laser that's about to wipe them out too. Like everything about that was just 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 wonderful. Ralph ordering <laughs> the martini shaken, not stirred. Like it was this was this was their bond moment, and it played off perfectly. It, it played yeah, off no, so it was, well. It was great. um you know really, you know really we great. get uh you know Remington Meister was a, was a fun little bond uh, villain uh, bond esque kind of villain uh we got to see the return of ultraviolet at least for just one episode so yeah it was just that the whole a story was so much fun I, I loved during the fight though too of Barry kind of knock like, making the knock as it's like as like uh it's like hey Mortal Kombat you know. <laughs> 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 yep. finish him like he was just playing along with it because she does she looks like a mortal Kombat character mm-hmm. they 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 clearly had a lot of fun with this episode they really really yeah, did this and this it, was just them having fun with the story having fun with the characters and the characters having fun with each other yeah i mean again they're trying to take the next step into finding like the whereabouts of sue but like again still kind of thwarted in the grand scheme of things but uh it gets us ultimately to this final scene and I, I, I'm going to let you just take this because, man, it's I don't know if I can do it justice because it was it was excellent. It was really good. Well, if it's um, I want to say uh, before I get to that, this was one of those episodes. You have those episodes that come up every once in a while where if you could have just been a fly on the wall while they were filming um, this just I, this seems to me more than probably any episode we've seen so far this season, an episode where they just laughed so much on set 
having fun making this episode. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, but yeah, you're right. That leads us to that final moment. We know we get it was all planned that they were going to give Ralph his emblem, which looks great. Oh, my God. Um, I was when they show that in the beginning of the episode, I'm like, oh, yes. Yeah. I'm like, that is the elongated man. It's like logo, like we're one of many, uh, but the most iconic. Yes, exactly. So, you know, the whole plan was in the works that Ralph needed to be there so that they can kind of give this to him and. Uh, kind of pass the torch, as I mentioned, to, you know, Barry needs to get the team ready, get the city ready, get the world ready for a world without him. And, you know, Ralph is the person, Elongated Man is the person to kind of take up that torch. So, you know, we get that moment with the flash at the podium, Joe West behind him, uh, you know, and talking about this person, you know, how much this person means to the city. He's stepped up as a hero and, you know, them recognizing him as another hero of the city. And Ralph stepping up, Ralph's speech was excellent, just the same. And, you know, talking about how much he loved the city and he's going to defend the city with his dying breath, which was a perfect way to talk about it. And then we get that moment where Ralph says, well, we need to, or elongated man rather, uh, says, you know, we need to recognize someone else. I'm going to turn it over to Joe. And Joe being the one to do this made this moment even more special. Yeah. Uh, you know, and when he says, we want to call up CSI Barry Allen and you see Barry kind of step up and be like, well, what's going on? And as audience members, we're the same way. We're like, OK, what's what's going on? Like, what are they going to do? And Joe talking about and, you know, how Barry has been there. It's because of CSI Barry and his processing these crime scenes that, you know, people have gotten closure over people that they've lost and he's helped close cases. And presenting him with the Medal of Honor. Yeah. Which one is a beauty, is a beautiful scene in itself with these characters, but at the same time, is a beautiful way of acknowledging people behind the scenes everywhere. You know, not just on the show, but just everywhere. Like there are other heroes in the world that don't wear masks. Right. This was a great way for the show to portray that message. Yeah, it was that. And also it gave, you know, obviously to not take away from what you're just saying, though, too. It's it's oh, yeah, it's yeah. giving yeah. it's also giving validity to Barry about he's not just the Flash. He's actually so much. more. Yes. So even if he was ever not wearing the cowl, he, his impact is greater than just being the Flash. So him and Joe kind of saying, look, we know even though you're supposed to die, uh, the city's not just losing the Flash; they're losing one of their best crime fighters that is not under a mask. Uh, all well, and I and I, yeah, and I think that the scene that we got a couple weeks ago with Joe and Barry at the end, which we talked about before, how emotional that scene was. That scene really put into perspective this one, because you're right. This is this was Joe's way of saying, like, look, you know, and, and this was his own silent way of saying to Barry. I know you feel like the flash has to die, but we're, as you mentioned, we're losing more than just the flash. Yeah. We're losing you. We're, we're losing Barry, you know? So this is their way of acknowledging the hero that Barry is in himself, even without the cow. Yeah. I loved it. I really, really loved it. It was, it was a great way to wrap that episode with the exception of the final after credit scene we get with, uh, Ramsey showing up as blood work again and kind of, taking ralph yeah and we know there's a lot to come uh the next two weeks so 
I'm looking forward to this midseason finale, uh, which is crazy to say already, because uh, I know Crisis is something kind of wholly different. But um, it's kind of interesting to think we only have two more episodes with Bloodwork, and it looks like it's going to go out in a big way. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to see it. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, as you mentioned, the next two weeks, The Last Temptation of Barry Allen, parts one and parts two, uh, Flash is not on break this week. Flash is new this week. Uh, so Last Temptation of Barry Allen, part one, as Barry stands on the threshold of his impending death in crisis, his convictions are tested when the monstrous Dr. Ramsey Rosso infects the Flash with a mysterious hallucinogenic con- uh, contagion. Meanwhile, Iris uncovers a vast conspiracy. So I have a feeling we're going to see a lot of stuff happening in Barry's head if he's if he's seeing these uh, um, hallucinations because of blood work. Well, I'll put it best. This Tuesday night, crisis unofficially begins. Yes. So this is when you need to be paying attention because everything that happens here, we know every showrunner for every one of the shows said what and how Flash ends before crisis is what starts crisis. So this is a two-part episode starting this week and then finishes next week. You need to pay attention here. If you're excited about crisis, it, the prologue starts here. Yep. So it Agreed. hasn't been all of Arrow. If you're waiting for like, nope, this is the kickoff. This is the kickoff. Yeah. So. Ag- agreed. And I'm I'm looking forward to it because yeah. yeah, as you mentioned, this is the lead into crisis. So it's it's going to be fun. Uh, we'll see if it's going to be fun, but it's going to be interesting. That's probably a better way to put it. Yeah. All right. That leads us to the final episode we need to talk about this week. Season eight, episode five of Arrow, Prognost. Upon learning the key to uh, to oppose the monitor, Oliver and team return to Russia on a mission to gather the necessary materials. Connor reunites with a figure from his past. I, Which does not happen at all. I know. I don't know why that's even in the synopsis, and or why I even read it to to be to be more uh, more specific. Because Connor's not even in this episode. No, not at all. So uh, this more than likely was uh, they wrote something and maybe cut or moved something before the episode aired. Things like that, where maybe a synopsis was already submitted. Yeah. So um, they kind of shuffled some stuff around. But uh, really, this episode is just. Just chock full of Anatoly and drinking vodka, man. <laughs> this is this, this is, and we give it a legend because of all of it. Um, honestly, though, yeah, this was. I, I'm amazed on how much I've turned around on uh, FTA on Future Team Arrow. Um, I really, generally, did not think I would give a crap about Mia or William, and I really, really, really love their connection and their involvement with what's going on present day. When it gets to maybe 2040. Maybe not so much, but here and now, I'm really, really enjoying their involvement in the lead up to Crisis and what that's doing for Oliver. And I love the fact that we know this is a character that's going to be wiped out off the map by the end of all of this um, in some way, shape or form. You know, like I said, does not rule out a return or something like that. But we do know, you know, having him have an opportunity to spend time with his children uh, in this way is kind of touching. But also for like kind of all of his old sins to kind of be washed away. And but also this is kind of like the farewell tour season. It's going and meeting and seeing all of these people that played a large role in his life, uh, you know, in one shape, one, one way, shape or form, positive or negative and, and getting a chance to say goodbye. And th- I think the one with Anatoly was the best because, again, it's like they said, Anatoly even said, he's like, he's like, I like the fun <laughs> uncle. <laughs> so... <laughs> And I'm like, it's so true. <laughs> well, well so. not only that, not only that, but um, 
you, not only the reset toy, but you're absolutely right. You hit the nail on the head when it came to William and Mia, because I was the same way. Like I really didn't have any interest in them. And we've made no bones about that in the past before that we really had no interest in what the future timeline hold, held. Hell, in the first couple episodes of the season, we didn't even talk about it. We didn't even recap the future of flash forwards. And now we're kind of forced to with them being in there. But I think what we're seeing now, and you, you kind of mentioned it, when you talked about like Oliver training Mia and working with William and kind of building that connection is when it comes time, I don't think one episode of the season is going to be the backdoor pilot to green, uh, green arrow and the canaries. I think this entire, from this point forward in essence, in some ways is an elongated backdoor pilot because we're going to see an evolution of these characters because of their interactions with Oliver that when they return to 2040, they're going to be different people. They really will. And I think this is this was a great evolution of these characters in a relatively short amount of time. Uh, you know, that's the one thing that's been really interesting about all of this. So I, I'm excited to see this continue to play over the next last couple episodes. And I will say this. I, I originally, I said I, I'm not going to give a crap about Green Arrow. <laughs> I may check. Yeah, it out. I, I, me too. I, I really may check it out. It's going to be probably a binge watching show for me and not a follow week to week to week. But I'm I'm kind of interested in seeing where it may potentially go. I, I think they are building characters that are interesting, that felt very empty and kind of like shells, and they're kind of filling up the glass as we go. And they're doing a good job of making that happen. Like, you know, Mia is still impulsive, just like Oliver Queen, but they're starting to do enough to make her not a mirror of Oliver. They're making her someone a little bit more different. Uh, which is I really appreciate. They're not just trying to carbon copy him, uh, and it's working. It's really, really working. Like you know, there's the impulse of um, impulsive issues that like Mia has that are very much Oliver. Like going back to earlier seasons, like one of the jokes in my household has always been, you know, thinking of like a little chibi drawing of Oliver uh, of just be like it's, and then all of Team A behind that just be like Oliver no. And the next panel is just like Oliver going. <laughs> I'll never guess as he runs into the thing he shouldn't be doing. So yeah, but you're you, you're absolutely right. I think it's it's because of this episode that I most likely will probably give Green Arrow and the Canaries a shot, just to see how it turns out. Uh, it's amazing, isn't it? Amazing how one episode can change your entire perspective about something. You know what though? That's the great thing about the. I think the Arrowverse as a whole, they they've done such a great job for every show and they they've ever had run. Uh, where it would be something that you're like, ah, your Vandal Savage is not the best. And then all of a sudden, Bebo, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, yeah. But I mean, it, it's the little things. It's the little things that push you over. Like, think about it. Like, Damien Dark was kind of a, okay, he's all right. And then you move him over and shift into another place. You're like, this is amazing. Like, this is this is so perfect. Um, you know, it's, it's those little moments that happen that you just capture your imagination of what you enjoy about comic books. And realizing, I'm like, okay, well, maybe this isn't always for me. But every once in a while, they'll do that one little thing that's that perfect comic book moment or that perfect emotional core that the, a show needed or that set piece or that stunt or that sequence that's going to make you go, man, I'm in it. I'm just in it. And that's what caught us and got us into doing these shows was it was that constant feel for these things. And then you have a moment like this entire episode. And you're like, no, I get it. I get why they're going to make this call to do this show. It it was it baffled me for a long time, but they knew something that we didn't. The stuff was written. This stuff was shot. They said, this is why we're going to take a risk and try to do this pilot. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, I agree. I, it, it makes sense. 
to have some of these characters continue on. Yeah. Uh, and w- one of the other things I wanted to make mention of, too, and this is kind of something that might come as a surprise as, as we've been heavily criticizing of Arrow, uh, especially over the past couple seasons. Um, <clears throat> one thing I kind of that really clicked with me this ep- another thing rather that just kind of really clicked with me this episode, in addition to that, hey, I might actually watch Green Arrow and the Canaries. You know, when when we knew that this season was was going to be the final one and we knew that there was going to be a lot of things pertaining to Crisis on Infinite Earths because because this is basically Arrow or Green Arrow and Oliver traveling to assist the Monitor uh, and do things that the Monitor wants to do. You know, Crisis in itself is something that's otherworldly. It's something you would obviously you would assign to uh, the Flash. You would relate to the Flash and Supergirl because, you know, that's where a lot of superhuman abilities happen. And Arrow has always kind of been more grounded and more straightforward. Even with dealing heavily with Crisis, I really want to pride the writers because it really clicked with me this episode. The tone of this show did not change. The tone of this show is still, with the exception of a couple moments, obviously when we see like Earth 2 destroyed and things like that, the tone of this show has really stayed the same. It's still very grounded, even in dealing with something like Crisis. Um, And that's something they've done very well this season for this final season. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's it's amazing for a show that was essentially kind of a ripoff of the Nolan Batman Batman world and universe and the way that that functioned and flowed. You know, we go through and ultimately end at a place that has a show that's dealt with metahumans, with magic, uh, with time travel, with world destruction. And it still feels like that street level show that it started with, even yeah. with those things still a part of that equation. Uh, yeah, you're right. I highly pride them on it. And I think we're going to talk a lot about that more in um, a very special upcoming episode in a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so before we get to the final moment of the episode, which was actually like a ooh, shit moment for me, um, we, we got to talk about Roy because Roy and, and Arsenal is back in the mix. Um, you know, seeing him working, seeing him working with Diggle to get to plutonium that they need to build this weapon, which was their part of the a story that they were getting the plans for this weapon but they knew they were going to need this plutonium so that was kind of diggle bringing roy back out of the mix to uh to join the team um really not a lot that we saw we just kind of saw roy still dealing with a little bit of that that he that came up because of the the lazarus pit uh earlier the last time we saw him but it was a great moment at the end with him and um uh, him and uh, Diggle in the bunker and, you know, Diggle pretty and Roy turning to Diggle and saying, hey, like, I, I think I'll stick around for a while, which yeah. is kind of like, yes, I hope this means Roy is going to be part of crisis. Oh, absolutely. You know, he will. He, yeah. He's going to have to be a part of it. They're going to pull out all the stops. So, I mean, for them to bring in all of these other people and not use and utilize all of the characters that they already have in their arsenal would be <laughs> there's a pun there. uh, or <laughs> I didn't even pick up on it until you started laughing at it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, you, you know that they're going to be using and utilizing everything and everyone that they have or have the ability to use. I wouldn't be surprised to see Keenan Alonso come back is, uh, you know, can flash all these other little things to happen because you this is the big celebration of DC. That's what these five episodes that are coming up will be. It's not just a celebration of what the Arrowverse has created, but all of the things that came before it. 
uh, even nodding back to things like the Donnerverse, you know, the key, uh, you know, the Michael Keaton Batman universe, uh, you know, that was like from, you know, Tim Burton, like all of these things are going to be celebrated in one way, shape or form. Maybe with the exception of like the DC, uh, you know, the DC, uh, you know, extended universe, probably not going to see much. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, but I mean, like, you know, the Nolan verse is already all over this. Like we, yeah. we have seen that already. We saw like Bane's mask last year in, uh, you know, the, the Arkham Asylum's like set, you know, but like I, also too, I think the reason why I don't think we'll see more of anything from Nolan is this is because that's what this was all kind of founded on. Like, it was founded on the idea, as I just said, like, you know, a moment ago, season one of Arrow looked heavily for inspiration from the Chris Nolan Batman films. And it it just spun out from there, and it did something pretty cool. So uh, it's going to be a really cool celebration to see that. So seeing seeing Roy as a part of that will be really great. And I think we're going to see some major comic book moments probably occur here that normally didn't originally in Crisis on Infinite Earths. Um, and I, I think, you know, it's very, we, we've known for a long time, you know, Roy in the comics loses an arm. I would not be surprised if that doesn't happen here. Ooh, that would be, yeah, that'd be interesting to see. It's very possible. So very curious so, to see where this could go. Yeah. But that kind of leads us to the ending that, that final moment in, uh, in this episode, you know, we've seen kind of Lila kind of step up as Harbinger and last week told, uh, you know, told Laurel that she needed to. Uh, betray Oliver when it came no, to this. No, no, it was, was Marnevo. Actually, was the one that came to her. Uh, what? We oh, saw, okay. We saw, we saw, we saw Lila confront uh, Laurel in the beginning of this episode, um, and then we saw the. That's the end. that's right. It was that's right. Um, it was that's right. It was Marnevo that that talked to uh, Laurel last week. Um, but yeah, and, and then we get the beginning of the episode with um, you know, Harbinger telling. Laurel, this is what you need to do in order to do this. And by the end of the episode, and and it was funny because I was watching the entire episode waiting for her to make a move to kind of do this. So when it plays out at the end that she doesn't do it, uh, you know, it was a great moment for Laurel's character to see her kind of step up and now be a hero and not turn on Oliver. But then we get that follow up moment to that. You know, where Laurel says to Lila, you know, you really need to tell your family about this. And she's like, I will when the time is right. And then her be like, well, funny, you should mention that. Yeah. And Oliver and Diggle be directly behind her. Yeah. Which was like, damn. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, the fallout like, from that wow. is going to be massive this week. Again, this week and next, really damn important for Crisis, I think, across all shows. So, I, you know, we're only dealing with two shows this week because they both have heavy, heavy lifting to do this week to get us over the the, the last hurdles, and then we're then we're dealing with all the shows watching everything go boom, uh, because all the shows have to, like Batwoman has to address Crisis in its next episode, you know, Supergirl has to, even if it's in the last thirty seconds of the episode, they those moments have to occur, um, so we will see something in every show. Uh, in two weeks, but definitely the start of, you know, Arrow and Flash this week. So, yeah. Uh, so, again, just like Flash, uh, Arrow is not on break this week. It does air a new episode with the episode reset. Oliver is faced with a life and death situation after being double crossed by Lila. Laurel has an opportunity to make amends. A uh, couple things to note about this episode uh, coming up with Arrow. Uh, David Ramsey is the director of the episode and 
this is the return of Paul Blackthorne as Quentin Indeed. Lance. So that's going to be very interesting to see. I mean, with a title like Reset, you have to figure this is going to be some kind of um, maybe a flashback of some kind. No, it's not. It's actually uh, Oliver is in a different timeline in this episode. Oh, okay. Well, uh, that is that is why basically uh, we see if you watch the promo, just to, this isn't really spoiling anything because the promos air all the time. Yes. Uh, but uh, basically, you know, Quentin, it's Quentin essentially supposed to be now, like today. Uh, and there's a scene in the promo where Ollie looks at him like, you're supposed to be dead. He's like, no. He's like, I got shot, uh, and I was in bad shape, but I pulled through. So it's like small things that didn't occur in the same way. So Interesting. And Oliver's stuck in there. I think it's, if memory serves correctly, I think the synopsis is basically also goes into, and the promo goes into, Marnevo is trying to show Oliver uh, what you know possible other timelines are things like that to convince them is like you have to do these things so okay that makes a lot of sense i'm wondering if it's going to be kind of like it's a wonderful life but kind of in a twisted way arrow's own version of it's a wonderful life it might be well i mean we kind of well take that back we already got that we got that in episode uh what was it was it invasion we got that in the 100th episode yeah, we got that in the hundredth episode when we already got that. So, yeah. Uh, but I, I think I think this is going to be like the same idea, heavily twisted. So, okay, we'll see. I can see that. Yeah, but that's going to wrap it up for the breakdowns of the episodes this week. Uh, so I will turn it over to you, sir, with the few uh, DC news stories. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to kick it off on the movie side because there's only two stories this week. Um, well, actually, I think that back there are three stories this week. So we have another piece of casting that just continues to make Matt Reeves, the Batman, cooler and cooler and cooler. Yes. Uh, which is kind of crazy to say because it's already just be turning into a massive film already. But we have found out that John Turturro has been cast as Carmine Falcone, which is... I love John Turturro. Uh, which is kind of awesome. So Turturro is now joining Andy Serkis as Alfred. Uh, Colin Farrell is the Penguin. Zoe Kravitz is uh, Selena Kyle. Paul Dano is the Riddler, and Jeffrey Wright is Commissioner Gordon, alongside Robert Pattinson as Batman. How awesome is that cast to read out? That's it's am- it's amazing. That's such an awesome cast already, and like I feel like we're not even done yet. So I, I think when this starts to shoot, man, things are just gonna things are gonna be off the hook. So yeah, it's 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 shaping up to be an amazing film, even just cast wise. Yeah, but uh, even cooler. Moving over to another Warner Brothers project, we've known for quite some time that the long-awaited Black Adam film is just right around the corner. We have gotten confirmation from Dwayne Johnson stating that the JSA is in Black Adam, which is Yay! just a holy crap moment. But we also have been confirmed that that will also include Doctor Fate, and I'm like, yes please so uh a lot of cool things on the horizon for dc films there is some rumblings and rumors we'll just lightly address it that warner brothers is talking about a joker too uh i I think it's a little disappointing because of the way that the joker ended leaving it kind of open-ended of uh, for those i the the, you that haven't seen it uh it makes you wonder a few things so it's it's an interesting idea, but I kind of wish they would leave that as a standalone film because of. Some well, it, it kind of it kind of confuses me, too, because I thought that was something he stated at the very beginning was there will not be any spinoffs or sequels. This is a standalone film. 
Uh, well, you say that, and when your film breaks a billion dollars at the box office, it's an R-rated movie. <laughs> yeah. And Warner Brothers says, hey, we'll give you all of the money in the world to make another one. You go, okay. <laughs> so, No, I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing some interesting takes on some other villains. Well, there is some rumblings that if it's not a direct sequel to The Joker, we may be seeing this with some other potential villains in the continuation of a DC black line for films. Uh, I, I mean, if, if they could do something similar, do it up. Because I will say, I finally got a chance to watch The Joker this past week. Uh, I was kind of hesitant to watch it at first. I was like, you know what? This looks really, really awesome, really good. But I'm not sure if it's quite for me. Um, and I did watch it. It is a rough movie to get through. Not going to lie. Uh, it's a little intense. Uh, there's not a lot of moments where you don't feel dust like. I will put it this way. If you suffer from mental illness or severe depression, this may not be the movie for you. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I'll put I'll put it from that. Um, but I will say it did some really interesting things and got us to a traditional version of the mythos uh, by the end. And it was it was done in a very, very cool way. Um, I, I will commend that it was a really good film. I would, or I was, I would say it was a great film, but I wouldn't say it was the best film. Um, if I was giving it a score, like out of our psychic hero legend, I would give it a very high hero, low tier legend. Uh, but I would say it's one of those one watch is good. Um, because it, it, it and I will say it, it's, 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 it's worth your time if you love DC stuff. But again, it, I will say it's not for everyone. This okay. is very much like think of the way that Requiem for a Dream makes you feel and things like that. And you're like, oh, <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. That's- <laughs> yeah. If you're like if you're not in the place to watch that, don't watch this movie. <laughs> so. All right. All right. Fair enough. I mean, but, I, again, and- I, I would like to see this done with other villains if that's the way it goes, because I can tell you right now, my ass would be sitting in the theaters if I were to go see a movie called Tut. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> you and I King like- Tut, man. You and King Tut. <laughs> And the beautiful sequel, Egghead. (laughs) Egghead. Hey, man, it's the one villain I remember more than any other, other than obviously Joker, Penguin, Catwoman, and Riddler, from the original Batman 66. You know, watching Batman 66 as a kid, Tut was for some reason the one villain other than the four mains that I I always remember. So I always go back to Tut. And I don't know why, but I always go back. (laughs) <laughs> so oh man all right so moving over to the tv side of you the universe uh we got some new casting for the flash uh we've got effort dork is being cast as eva mcculloch uh so she is going to be a season regular for the second half of the season the name rings a bell well it should mcculloch industries was the place that we saw nash wells barry and cisco break into uh but evan mcculloch is mirror master so i will say we definitely may have a new Mirror Master kind of making an appearance for the next part of the season. Potential so, big be, bad for the second half? Yeah, maybe. I wouldn't be surprised if we maybe have a new Mirror Master as a big bad. So be kind of looking forward to seeing what that could mean. And uh, again, there's some rumblings that that is tied to the Natalie Dreyfus, uh, you know, being cast as Sue Dearbot. So that, uh, uh, you know, that she, Ava McCulloch, actually is the one responsible for Sue Dibney's disappearance. So it could be a lot of cool things on the horizon. Uh, so, yeah, I think that would be a fantastic, fantastic villain to focus on. If Especially if they do, do a new take, I think it would be a cool way to go. So Yeah. All right. So jumping over to a little bit more news on The Flash. Uh, we have found out a big congratulations to Danielle Panabaker 
as we found out that she is recently pregnant. And they did say, you know, ultimately, uh, one of the big pieces that they have to work around is working on how to handle her pregnancy. So they're going to do the tricky, wonderful shoot around it versus, uh, you know, just having her disappear consistently on, on the show. So it's the hide the bump angle, as she as she put it. So, but like I said, we'll see, uh, we'll see her still throughout the rest of the year. So, yeah. All right. Into a little bit more news. So we have found out officially Green Arrow and the Canaries will indeed take place in Star City 2040. So it's not going to take place present. So like I said, we will definitely be seeing much, much more of those characters back in the 2040 universe. Kind of like we anticipated, but we weren't quite sure for a little while. But like I said, we have final confirmation on that, which is great to hear. Uh, next up, we have some new uh, news as far as the Crisis on Infinite Earths special. So if you want to plug your ears, if you don't want to know the news, shove your fingers in your ears now. Just go, la, 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 something like that. So we have found out Kevin Conroy is indeed playing the Kingdom Come version of Batman. We did which see is, a shot of Kevin Conroy uh, wearing that exosuit, which is fantastic. But we also found out that indeed, you know, he is going to be working with the Brandon Roth Kingdom Come Superman, who we also found out about more information is, which is he is indeed playing the Donnerverse Superman and his version that he played from Superman Returns that also happens to be the Kingdom Come universe. I love how they tied the two of those things. Yeah, absolutely. Which means that mostly that in his timeline, his Lois is dead. Oh, it's it's uh, not it's not most likely. It's already confirmed. I mean, there is a there is an image out there of uh, Brandon Routh as Clark Kent standing next to a framed Daily Planet headline that says the Daily the Daily Planet was attacked in a gas attack. Oh yeah, so yeah, the, the so it sounds like they're going to do that. Is the the Joker still kills her? Yep. So interesting. So and we do know again he's going to be. I think the editor-in-chief of the Daily Planet at that point in time, just along the lines, the same as the original Kingdom Come storyline. So very cool. Uh, but, man, how awesome it is it to have Conroy and him be teaming up for that universe. God, just seeing Conroy wearing that exosuit is going to be amazing. Uh, just seeing Conroy <laughs> finally play Batman in the flesh is yeah. going to be, I think, just just such an exceptional, just wonderful moment. I I, that's the scene I'm waiting for more than anything else. The the fact just the fact alone that the Donnerverse has become the Kingdom Comeverse um is just astounding. It's it's astounding. It it's it shows the brilliance of these writers. Yeah. And even if it's just for a scene or a quick moment or two, that's fine. But still, I, I'm I'm excited. I'm really, really excited. Yeah. But we have another piece of information now too. Uh so this is a rumor. Um but it is sounding like it has been confirmed that we are seeing and meeting a new DC hero also during Crisis on Infinite Earths, even if it's a quick moment, but it's one we haven't seen yet in this universe. We have seen this character before uh, in another place and another spot, and that is we're going to be seeing a bra uh, our brand new Stargirl. We have seen Stargirl again from the, uh, you know, I think season, was it season two of Legends of Tomorrow? So we did see it then, but this is going to be the brand new one that is attached to the DC Universe streaming service. So she sounds like will be making an appearance and something new has happened is that's because Stargirl is headed to the CW, folks. Uh, as we expected, and we even talked about that there was rumors of this a couple months ago 
uh, that there was a possibility of Stargirl moving over to the CW. Well, that's been 100% confirmed. So it still is going to appear on the DC Universe. So the episodes will premiere there the following day. They will be airing on the CW. The following day from that, they will be on the CW app to stream for free. That is right, folks. There is less of a reason to have <laughs> the DC Universe streaming service. <laughs> um, uh, so, again, uh, we've been watching that that program slowly implode on itself since the cancellation of Swamp Thing. Um, you know, there's been more and more and more things coming up, especially with HBO Max coming out. I believe this coming March, uh, you know, there's going to not be as much of a reason to hang on. Um, well, I, unless 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 you're reading comics like crazy on there. So, well, I will say um, one of the things that we have not mentioned yet is that Harley Quinn, the animated series debuts this Friday on DC Universe. So I think maybe one of the only reasons why we haven't seen maybe Harley Quinn jump to another streaming platform is because there wasn't enough time. And also, it's obviously not something that can air on CW because of the language alone. Um, but HBO Max hasn't launched yet. So maybe once HBO Max launches, we could see that potentially move to another platform and then DC Universe just go away completely. I would not be surprised if they find a way to fold that in uh, as another tier to be able to do like the comic book reading and stuff like that. But I would expect all of those shows are going to head over there. Most so, likely. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, again, um, yeah, that was a, it's a big, big loss to those of you that subscribe to DC universe, uh, knowing that uh, something that originally was keeping you in the fold is, uh, is going to network. So, and, um, I, and not I, a big shock. And I feel an even bigger loss to our friends in Canada too, because they have a hard time and already as it is watching CW stuff. Um, you know, there's a lot of places that don't get a lot of these Arrowverse shows for a while because, well, well, yeah, I mean, like I said, the, the CW stuff does air up there. I mean, it, it's, it's more the, it's you, the, I think UK and stuff, it doesn't, they don't get them until they happen a little bit later. Right. So Canada, I think our friend Paul, he can, he watches, he can, he can watch week to week if he was still consistently watching, which we know he's not. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Uh, but uh, like I said, you know, so this is a big positive for the people that don't have access to the DC Universe service, which is great. But again, I'm sure the people that have the service uh, are, are probably ready to jump ship at this point. Yeah. So uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to hear uh, about the the upcoming death of that service as we know it today to be right around the corner. I, I think they're going to continue to have a service that gives you comic books. But I think as far as it containing much else, as far as video content that's you know all that stuff once all of these major shows that are currently running wrap up because titans is right right around the corner of ending uh harley quinn will be wrapped up i think uh pretty pretty quickly into the new year so uh, yeah it's it's not going to take long it won't take long at all i i i bailed on dc universe after i think two months yeah yeah i i think i was uh right around the same i think it was right after swamp thing started when they canceled it that's when i, I bailed yeah so I, I bailed before Swamp Thing even started. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's it for me, though. That's uh, that's that's it for news for this week. Cool. Uh, man, uh, three weeks, guys. I know it's it's <laughs> it's coming. It's it's it came fast and it's it's almost here. So, um, well, no, I take that back two weeks for it. And then we'll talk to you guys about it in three. Yeah. OK. Yep. That's true. Um, so, uh, recommendations, we'll throw a couple recommendations if we have any of them out there and then we'll do our cheap plugs and we'll get out. So I'll turn it over to you first. If you have any recommendations for this week. 
Uh, yeah, just keep, keep keep watching The Mandalorian and uh, keep playing Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, both of those <laughs> things are just, just absolutely wonderful and make me smile. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I might even say... Uh, Fallen Order is probably my top two or three games of the year easily. Oh, it's up there so. for me as well. I mean, I'm I've I've almost got the game beaten and I'm stuck on the final boss because God, the the gameplay is challenging, and that's what that's one of the reasons why I love yeah. it. Yeah, and oh, uh, I will say this too. I, I know most 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 companies, as far as PlayStation and Microsoft, have begun their digital Black Friday sales as of yesterday. So if you're Ooh. looking for some awesome deals, I've looked at the PlayStation list. It is exceptional. There is a lot of stuff, and they're doing more stuff rolling out this coming week uh, consistently over the next couple days. So uh, I know they're, they're they're adding games to it. I think they added stuff today. They're adding stuff, I think, this coming Tuesday and then on Black Friday itself. And they're doing some deep, deep discounts on some big games. Um, I've looked at some of the Xbox stuff. There's some decent ones in there, too. Most of the prices are almost mirrored across platforms. But a lot of the first party, like Sony stuff, uh, is going on sale, I think, on this coming Thursday, on Thanksgiving Day. And again, the prices are like slashed in half on a lot of games. So if, you're, if you're looking for some stuff, now's the time. Bye bye um, paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know I I had a couple friends that already reached out to me. And they're like, hey, man, is it is the $200 deal? It's like a terabyte PlayStation 4. And it comes with no lie. Horizon Zero Dawn, the complete edition, God of War, and The Last of Us remastered for $200. So I'm like, yes, do it. Uh, yeah, get that. That's totally worth it. That's I'm worth like, it just for the games alone. I was like, seriously, like, just do that. And then in addition to it, just buy yourself Spider-Man and then and Jedi Fallen Order and you're good to go. <laughs> so. Yeah. For sure. If, if you're a late entry into this console generation, uh, that's that's an awesome bundle. That's a really damn good bundle. Um, my recommendation is actually a film. I had an opportunity to see a movie this past week that was one I had been uh, looking forward to watching. It's not DC related or anything. I still ha I still need to see Knives Out, which opens this week, uh, which I'm going to see. But um, Thursday night, I went to go see uh, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Which is Tom Hanks portraying oh, Mr. Yeah, that, Mr. Rogers? I, that looked. I was excited to see that. It's. I. I think some people are going to go into it thinking that it's a biopic of Mr. Rogers, and in some ways, it kind of is. It was definitely different than what I was expecting, but that does not take away from the film at all. The film is magnificent. It is wonderful. Is it more along the lines of like saving Mr. Banks? Uh, kind of. It's it's basically it's based on a true story, um, obviously, because Mr. Rogers was a real person. Uh, Mr. Rogers is actually not the main character of the film. Um, back in the early 90s, there was a, a, an author, a magazine author, author who wrote a, an article on Mr. Rogers for Esquire magazine. And he is the main character. And this is more... Um, his interactions with Mr. Rogers and the life changing and literally like how this changed his life, getting to meet and interact with Fred Rogers. Um, Tom Hanks's portrayal of Fred Rogers is perfect. Like you completely forget that it's Tom Hanks and it's the movie is just, it, again, it wasn't what I expected, but in the best way, the, the movie's magnificent. I it's, it was wonderful. That's that sounds like right up my alley. So, yeah. So oh, I will say this, too. Uh, for those of you that have Disney Plus, because we're talking about stuff like this uh, it, and I brought up Saving Mr. Banks, um, 
The boys. I've been talk- the boys is yeah. on there. If you have not seen it, it is exceptional. I uh, saw that on there and knew you'd be happy. Yeah, because uh, again, it, it's it's a it's a documentary that has slid under the radar for a lot of people, and I know a lot of people out there have watched the Imagineers, um, or uh, you know, or it was it was the Imagineering kind of documentary that is on Disney Plus. Uh, I don't know if they've released any more parts of that yet, but there's I think uh, there's three out there. It's every week, oh. just like Mandalorian and the World According to Jeff Goldblum. Oh, okay, excellent. I need to check out the next two, but. Uh, one of the Sherman brothers is in that, uh, and then so it, you do get to see him in the boys uh, dealing with him and his brother, and the story that's behind that is exceptional. So I would really, really recommend if you want a really interesting combination of things to check out. Uh, a really great thing I could recommend to everybody is to start off by watching, and it's on Disney Plus's Saving Saving Mr. Banks. Follow that up by watching the stuff on uh, the Imagineering stuff uh, because those documentaries are really interesting. They have got a lot of wonderful old history, but you see a little bit of the Sherman Brothers in that as well. Uh, And then do yourself a favor and watch The Boys because then you see the dark side of all of that stuff in a really interesting way about their relationship and what they did through all of this classic era of Disney. It is a really, really interesting reverse flip when you see all of those things and it gives some great context to saving mr banks um so i would really really recommend if you guys want some fun homework to do so yeah i still need to watch that so that's um that's something that's probably going to be on my list relatively soon especially if you have time if you have time later tonight i would really recommend when you're relaxing do that well not only that too but like this is a great week to catch up on stuff because a lot of shows not just the arrowverse shows because obviously flash and arrow still are on um, but you know, Batwoman, Supergirl, and a lot of other shows are on break this week because of Thanksgiving. So, and I'm gonna watch Ready or Not. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's on my list to watch probably tonight as well because I've been really wanting to see it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, with that being said, uh, thank you as always for being a part. Oh, cheap plugs! Shit, we gotta do that before we get out. Uh, as always, you can follow this podcast as well as all other podcasts on the Next Level Podcast Network at thenextlevelnetwork.com, facebook.com slash thenextlevelnetwork, and the Facebook page for this podcast, D- uh, facebook.com slash dcprimetime. And always a big special thanks to our good friend George Shaw at georgeshawmusic.com. Please make sure to head over to his site, check out what he's working on. We thank him each and every episode for the music he provides for our show. Uh, as for me, you can always find me over at the Next Level Network uh, through the Caffeine Crew cast of pods uh episode 59 will be with you guys hopefully by black friday we'll be recording tomorrow night and it'll be all about the 80th anniversary of batman so we'll be talking about our history of when we all remember our first introduction to the characters so expect to hear a little bit about that batman 1966 thing that we love to reference oh so much um <laughs> let's make sure you tune in to listen to ben talk about king tut for <laughs> for about an hour oh, so i will get my mentions in sir trust me <laughs> so we'll definitely be talking about that why he's remained such a prevalent character in pop culture why we love the bat family and the bat villains so much and then we get a little creative and i believe we'll probably be creating each of us creating a brand new member of the bat family and a brand new villain of the bat uh batman universe to wrap things up so it should be a fun two-hour conversation we have a great roundtable that I'm really excited to put together. I think it's the first time we've had this specific combination of people together. So uh, I'm, I think it'll be a good one. So. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah. 
Uh, so now with that being said, uh, special thanks to all of you for being a part of, you know, it's Thanksgiving. So we're thankful for all of you guys, uh, for being a part of the DC primetime family. Thank you for liking, commenting, subscribing, all that you guys do, uh, have a safe and wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, and until next time, we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. Except if you're a troll, we don't like trolls in the Facebook page. We will ban you. We are not thankful for you. That's no, kidding. Uh, no, no, not just kidding. No, seriously, don't, don't, don't troll. On the Facebook page. Don't troll. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>